This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. If you haven't heard about Anchor, it's the easiest way to make a podcast. Let me explain. First off, it's free, 100% free. There's creation tools that allow you to record and edit your podcast right from your phone or your computer. It couldn't be easier. Anchor will then distribute your podcast for you. So it can be heard on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and many more. And you can make money from your podcast with no minimum listenership. It's everything you need to make a podcast in one place. Download the free Anchor app or go to anchor.fm to get started. Hey, what's up, everybody? Chris Trapasso here from CBSSports.com. Today is Wednesday, November 20th, and you are listening to episode 12 of the Prospect Podcast. Getting right to it today with quarterback watch. Instead of talking about Joe Burrow's excellence and Tua Tagovailoa's injury, and you will see in my latest mock draft that's coming out this morning at CBSSports.com that I still have Tagovailoa going in the first round. I, I, I don't think a team or all 32 teams are going to pass on the opportunity to get that fifth-year option with him, have an intriguing landing spot for him that I think is actually potentially materializing now because of this injury that could be a perfect fit for him late in the first round. I want to talk about a quarterback that is completely flying under the radar, and he's a senior. He has This is his third year of full-time starting experience, He's on a very good team, and he's taken a huge leap forward to me into being a legitimate draft prospect. Not Jalen Hurts, not Jacob Eason, Utah's Tyler Huntley. And I think you need to watch these Utah Utes down the stretch. They're ranked inside the top 10. Uh, they only have one loss on the road at USC. They're kind of an old-school team. They want to run the football a lot. Zach Moss, their running back, is probably going to go in the second or third round. Really powerful, but has shown the ability to make defenders miss this year. But Tyler Huntley right now, low-volume quarterback because of that kind of old-school philosophy on offense. He has 13 touchdowns, only one interception. But he's completing 74.2% of his passes. And while watching Zach Moss, I mean, I'll admit I wasn't going into the season thinking that Tyler Huntley was a draft prospect, but watching Utah to watch Zach Moss, I've noticed, man, every single game, Tyler Huntley, dime down the field, 30-yard pass down the field, 50-yard pass in stride, a lot of big plays. They want to run, play action, really get the defense to kind of move up to defend the run, get that extra safety in the box and then throw it over the top. And Tyler Huntley's accuracy is very good. I love how he's always set to throw. He's You can tell he's been very well coached. The ball's up near that ear hole on the right side of his helmet. Kind of a slingshot release. It's, it's a little bit slower, but 
His arm strength, I think, is fine. It, it's not going to be one of the best arms in the NFL, but it's not something that I think will really hold him back once he reaches the NFL. He's six foot one. He's a little spindly, maybe two hundred pounds. Could add some weight to his frame. He is pretty athletic. He can scramble a little bit, but watching him, you can tell that he wants to be a pocket passer. He doesn't just drop his eyes against pressure. He kind of naturally moves up in the pocket. And I think that's something that Lamar Jackson learned at Louisville and has done a great deal this season for the Ravens. Whether it be dropping back from center or just catching the shotgun snap, he almost, on every time he's back to pass, he will catch that football and then move up into the pocket. So edge rushers are already worried about his athleticism, but they also are rushing him to, to try to create some disruption in the timing of the passing game, and they're running right past him. And Tyler Huntley has a similar knack or tendency, natural ability, that he wants to move up in the pocket. Um, Utah does not have two difficult games down the stretch, Arizona and Colorado, and I think they're going to be in the Pac-12 title game. So it's And they're kind of positioned to be the dark horse, along with Oregon, in their conference to maybe sneak into the college football playoff. I, I think the most likely scenario is that Utah ends up playing in a big bowl game against you know, a second or third place finisher in one of the Power Five conferences um, near New Year. So a high profile bowl game, maybe not the college football playoff. But Tyler Huntley, if, if you are into Jalen Hurts this year, the kind of the hybrid quarterback that can run and his arrow is pointing up as a passer, I think in if you're thinking that your team won't be able to get him because his with the air raid proliferation in the NFL that your team isn't going to be able to pick Jalen Hurts. Tyler Huntley, three years of starting experience, a lot of um, games against difficult opponents, and I think he's someone that has really improved as a passer in his senior year. You could tell that this offseason he put a lot of work into becoming a true pocket passer. Has a good arm, has the athleticism, maybe not the size, only 6'1", enlisted just over 200 pounds. But Tyler Huntley is a quarterback that I think needs more love and that we will be talking about come draft season, not as a first-round pick or a second-rounder, but middle rounds, maybe even day three of the draft, who will be surprising in training camp and the preseason to a lot of people and ultimately carve out a, a pretty nice career as as a backup who, with the arm strength, with the pocket passing ability, um, later in his career can be a starter who can win games in the NFL. All right, moving over now to my big board segment, I want to talk about A.J. Epinesa from Iowa. I had him near the back end of my own big board uh, a few weeks into the season, and then the most recent update, which led to our composite uh, top 32 at CBS Sports, along with Ryan Wilson and Josh Edwards, I just didn't really see Epinesa take a step forward from how good he was last year in 2018. He was kind of a part-time player, but he really flashed in most of the pass rushing um, snaps that he took last season. Didn't see it this year. I thought, okay, he's going to move into a full-time role, so we're not going to see – we're probably going to see him regress to the mean a little bit, and we did. He did. He only had one sack over the first couple months of the, of the season. Wasn't seeing him get off blocks a lot. Um, over the last six games, he has six sacks, and he was dominant in that win over Minnesota. I think if A.J. Epinesa didn't play or he didn't have as good of a performance, Iowa would not have – 
had that upset against the previously undefeated uh, Golden Gophers. And what I like about what he's shown over the past month or so, at six foot six and two hundred and eighty pounds, that's not traditionally, or in the modern day NFL, I should say, is not edge rusher size. That's kind of that hybrid that. On first down, you put him at defensive end. Second and third downs that are becoming passing downs, put him inside. And the um, Iowa Hawkeyes did that against Minnesota. They moved him inside. He used his variety of pass rushing moves against this kind of slower, more uh, not fleet of foot offensive guards of Minnesota. They have two really big tackles there. And A.J. Epinesa created a lot of pressure on the inside. And I think that's how he kind of has to sell himself to NFL teams. Kind of that J.J. Watt, Taven Bryan mold that he's not just an edge rusher. He has the strength and the size to not get physically overpowered on the inside against those wider, stronger guards. But if he's not consistently winning with his speed and his dip around the edge, which I think at his size, he he's pretty good in both of those areas. But against NFL tackles, they're not going to really be threatened by his burst, by his quickness, by his ability to flatten. But inside, if he can bull rush guards, if he can, he has a really good push and pull rip move um, that he used a few times against Minnesota to get into the backfield. I think that is how he'll really tap into his full potential once he reaches the pro level. One other defender I want to talk about that's been moving up my boards, I kind of want to go back and regrade where I have him. Florida State's safety linebacker Hamza Nasruddin. I think he is someone that's kind of in that Derwin James mold. I think James was more polished of a safety prospect. Um, But we saw in his rookie year with the Chargers, he played everywhere. He was on the edge at times. He was a linebacker. He was a safety. He was a slot corner. And this prospect from Florida State, and it, it looks like his name is pronounced Nasiriladeen, Looked it up uh, last night. It's Nasserdine. He said it in an interview. Um, apparently, six foot four, two hundred and fifteen pounds. So he has that Derwin, Derwin James size and and frame and athletic profile. He's very fluid, moving in coverage, dropping, sinking in zone. He had a pick six last week. Yes, it was against Alabama State, but I think that interception. It was an eighty yard return for a touchdown. That interception alone is probably going to move him up draft boards because at the beginning of that interception, and he was in perfect position in coverage, the receiver fell down. It was an easy pick, but right after he caught the pass, he looked like Cam Akers. He made about four or five different cuts, which kind of looked like, what is he doing? Just get upfield, made four or five defenders miss, and then he showcased his explosion and his speed down the field to score the 80-yard touchdown. Uh, he had 11 tackles in that game. The week before that, Nasruddin had 22 tackles against Boston College. And earlier in the year, he had 17 tackles in a game against Syracuse. He's got three pass breakups on the season, two interceptions. He's just the modern-day linebacker safety corner, just kind of what I call it, a second Second or third level, just free roamer. Let him roam. It's kind of like Telvin Smith um, when he was coming out of Florida State that was he a safety, was he a linebacker? He mostly played linebacker for the Seminoles and quickly emerged as one of the best linebackers in the NFL. Hasn't played this year, kind of stepped away from the NFL early, but 
I think uh, Nasruddin is a similar type player to Talvin Smith, to Duran James, kind of in the middle of those two players um, in terms of just what he can give a team. Just let him roam at the second level, and if you need him to drop into coverage, he can. Wide receiver watch. I need to talk about a deep, deep sleeper. That's kind of what this segment has turned into, that you hear enough about the Jerry Judys and the, and the T. Higgins and the LaVisca Chenaults of the world every week. So I like to kind of go deeper to have you on Saturdays be able to watch or keep an eye on some deep sleepers. Talked about Isaiah Hodgins a few weeks ago from Oregon State, big-bodied um, ball skill specialist who's caught a lot of touchdowns, been very productive for a pretty explosive Oregon State offense that has a good quarterback in Jake Lutton who at 6'7 and 230 pounds with a good arm and a lot of production and a lot of starting experience I think is also going to be on the draft radar on day three and has NFL abilities but I want to talk about Illinois wide receiver Josh Emma Torbebe, and I'm, that's the second straight name that I'm talking about that that's a difficult last name I'm pretty sure I have that right Really interesting story that he was a four-star recruit and famously had a video showing a 47-inch vertical as a recruit, went to USC, ended up transferring to Illinois. And and there's another um, player from USC who transferred to Illinois, um, an edge rusher, Bedeku, that's been very, very good for the Illini in what's been, to me, one of the best stories in college football this year, that Lovey Smith took over that program. They've been kind of in the basement of the Big Ten for a long time now, and they're bowl eligible. And in that awesome comeback that it was a 28-3 lead for Michigan State, the scariest lead in uh, football today, he was awesome in that game. He has long speed that can hit the big plays. He had over 170 yards in that game, two touchdowns. One was more of a contested catch. Um, one was just he caught a deep cross and then turned on the Jets and ran by everyone down the field. I think he's someone he he's averaging, I believe, over 20 yards per catch this season. He's a redshirt junior, and, and you would like to see, if, if you're a college football fan, to see him stay at Illinois to see if this program can kind of build itself back up a little bit. But he is on the draft radar right now, probably day three maybe day two if he continues to play well. This is someone that you're going to see Illinois and say, oh, who are the players that have come from that program of late who have been good? And there haven't been many. But this is a former USC player that was a four-star recruit that not a lot of those four stars are ending up at Illinois. So hats off to Lovey Smith and all of his recruiting staff for, for getting these transfers in there. And Josh Bebe is a legitimate NFL talent. He was a four-star. Like I said, he's over six foot, around 200 pounds, and has that long speed, that explosiveness off the line, and then just the ability to take the lid off a of defense. And we've seen them do that, or we've seen him do that this year for the Illini. They've already gotten to six wins. They're going to be in a bowl game. So I think that could be kind of a litmus test for him to see how he plays um, against a quality opponent. But if your team needs a deep threat and misses out on, on a lot of these highly touted prospects at the receiver spot early in the draft, I think Josh Bebe from Illinois, it's a pretty awesome name, so you can't, you shouldn't forget it. But definitely if you're peeking around Saturday at noon and you see an Illinois game, flip it on because they do have some talent, some NFL talent this year on offensive or on the offensive side of the ball and on the defensive side of the ball. He could be someone 
sixth, seventh round that we could be talking about in a few years in a niche role, a low volume deep threat that could ultimately carve out a, a, a nice little niche um, at the pro level. And lastly, my young players in the NFL segment, I want to talk about another wide receiver that's I usually gravitate toward the skill position guys um, for this segment. I want to talk about Michael Gallup. He was my number three wide receiver in the 2018 class. Had him at number 32 overall, so I had him just as a first-round value. Ended up going in the third round, and I was confused by that. He was a junior college transfer to Colorado State, super productive as a junior, very productive as a senior. And watching his film, I just didn't see a true flaw in his game. He got off press very well. Good route runner, ran a variety of routes. It wasn't a gadget-type offense at Colorado State. Great ball skills down the field. Awesome after the catch. He was making defenders miss. His contact balance after the catch was like a running back. He only ran, I think, four five one at the combine, four five two. So I think that may have pushed him down, but he had no business going in the third round. Um, in the two previous games leading into last week's, win for the Cowboys over the Lions. He caught a touchdown pass, and then they really pumped him with targets against the Lions in a game that they really needed to score a lot of points. Uh, He had nine catches, 138 yards, didn't score a touchdown, made a great, but made a great catch down the field that he kind of had to tip the ball to himself. It was almost knocked away. Uh, And he, his emergence to me, along with Amari Cooper, is the reason why we've seen, or a big reason why we've seen Dak Prescott go from, okay, he's a good quarterback, yeah, he probably should get the money from the Cowboys to, at least over the last month, looks like one of the best quarterbacks in the NFL, putting up gaudy statistics every week because they don't just have that number one wide receiver in Amari Cooper, but they have a really, really good number two in Michael Gallup. Certainly the offensive line helps. Dak Prescott's not being pressured a lot. Zeke Elliott's there. So the offense as a whole is really being rounded out over the past year with the acquisition of Amari Cooper, drafting Michael Gallup, and then he was injured earlier in the year. He's come back and has really shown at around 6'1", 200, 205 pounds. He has good size, and there's really not a true liability in his game. Maybe besides his long speed, he's not going to hit a lot of 75-yard touchdowns, but he is one of the better, probably one of the best young number two wide receivers in the NFL. And lastly, I'm going to move away from skill positions. Uh, I want to talk about Elton Jenkins, the left guard for the Green Bay Packers. He was my number one interior offensive lineman in the 2019 draft class, ahead of Garrett, uh, ahead of Garrett Bradbury from the Minnesota Vikings, uh, which was not aligning with the consensus that Bradbury, his supreme athleticism, really pushed him into the first round, and, and uh, he was kind of the consensus top center. Jenkins played center, played guard at Mississippi State. He's played left guard for the Packers and has been awesome. I think he, similar in a similar way to Michael Gallup, has been a big reason that the Packers offense looks completely different than it did last year. That people were talking about uh, they don't have the receiver help. That Aaron Rodgers is his, you know, he's kind of getting toward the end of his career. Does he still have it? Um, but I think they were really missing those pieces up front at the guard position. And when they had 
Uh, really good guard play with Josh Sitton, and the other guard is completely escaping me right now. Um, when they had those quality guards, TJ Lang, when they had those two guards in Green Bay a few years ago, I think that was huge for Aaron Rodgers. With how much he likes to improvise and drift in the pocket, he's so good at doing that. Um, he knew that his guards against interior pressure um, were going to hold up. And over the past couple seasons, those players – uh, were let go. They got a little bit older. So the Packers smartly addressed the interior of their offensive line. It's kind of a pick that when it happened, everyone said, okay, they drafted a lineman. Where is he going to play? Inserted him right away. He's so strong. And you saw that in the SEC. He truly was the epitome of watching an offensive line prospect that was boring. It was just defense lineman came into him to grapple, and that was it. The play was over. It was not pancakes. It was not these 40-yard runs down the field on a screen where he blocked four or five uh, different defenders, but Jenkins had NFL strength in the SEC last year, was very experienced, played multiple positions, great pass blocker, and that's another thing. Great pass blocking is not really fun to watch. It, it's not, you're not going to see a lot of highlights. You're not going to see any highlights really of an offensive lineman pass blocking. It's the pancakes. It's like I said, the screens down the field. It's the really nice combo blocks that are going to see that you're going to see on Twitter. You're going to see during uh, draft season, if they are talking about offensive linemen, but Jenkins just was super sturdy in pass protection for the Bulldogs. Pretty good run blocker, and it's kind of been the exact same for the Green Bay Packers, that he's been a rock in pass protection at left guard. Pretty good for the run. Aaron Jones is having an all-pro type season. I think as a whole with David Bakhtiari, with Brian Bulaga, Corey Lindsley, they have one of the best offensive lines in the league, and that's why I think we're seeing the Packers where they are right now at the top of the NFC North. So Elkton Jenkins picked on day two but was my number one interior offensive lineman and he is having a great rookie season all right that'll do it today uh don't forget to leave a comment write a review on apple Podcasts, wherever you get your podcast thank you for listening this was episode 12 of the prospect podcast okay parachutes ready boy the things i go through to get auto loan rates as low as 0.99 percent apr for 60 months on new vehicles with penfed you are aware that you don't have to be a military member to save hundreds on your auto loan aren't you anyone can join penfed as someone terrified of heights i probably should have looked into that probably drop me off at the shore penfed credit union visit penfed.org autos or call 1-800-247-5626 advertised rates available through the penfed car buying service to receive any advertised product you must become a member of penfed insured by ncua